from a radio studio on Long Island, New York. Come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. And this is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, with me, Brando, uh, with me as always, I couldn't do this without him, is uh, Scotto, comma, Ian, drinking water as I'm throwing to him. And also, as you said, with me, Brando. I did, I'm I like, said you that? are Brando. Oh, I'm a piece of garbage. Just keep it, man. I know, that was our, my, our third take of this. I'm, I'm going to, like, rip apart the, what is it, the third curtain where, like- The, the fourth wall? The fourth wall, they say, where we already did, like, two takes, and I'm like, no one cares, let's just start oh. this goddamn podcast. <laughs> I know. I, I'm, I'm used to having an energy drink in the morning, and I haven't had it. And it's it's so bad. I've become so reliant on it. I feel like not woken up, even though I've been up for a few hours. Yeah, we're recording a little earlier than usual because Anthony Boza, uh, co-author of Slash's book, among many other books, is joining us. And the reason he wanted to do a little earlier is because he's taking a plane to Nashville, Tennessee Lucky to see Guns N' Roses tonight. I mean, we're talking to people... You know, we we spoke to Jason before uh, our last episode from Rotten Cake. Yes, he sir. saw their first the the first show of the stadium tour in Detroit. You know, now we're going to talk to Anthony, who's uh, going to see them tonight. We still have we have two weeks. It's officially now because we're taping this uh, Saturday. Two weeks on the twenty third, we're going to see them at MetLife Stadium. Like this it's gonna is be awesome. this is I, I I can't wait. And I perhaps I might be able to get tickets to the twenty fourth. We will see about that. And nice. if I do, you're going with me. That's just really? that's, that's just all right. It, all right. I, I can't really turn that down. All right. So. Well so we'll see. I have to get those tickets first. Um so yeah, thank you. This is the third episode for Appetite for Distortion. Uh Guns and Roses podcast, uh rock and roll, anything our stupid Jew humor minds come uh, come up with. Um, which is mainly just me because Ian's a lot, you know, uh, more focused than I am. I, I, I ain't take my medication today either. That's the problem. I need my Cymbalta. That's my problem. <laughs> so, you know what I, I wanted to start with? I mean, obviously, Steven Adler, we got to start with. But but I. But we want to thank. That's where I was. Yes, going. I want yes, to thank, yes. you know, um, you know, in addition to just the Ian to keep me focused. Uh, <laughs> the reception that we've gotten from social media and iTunes, you know, just a couple. I mean, just we're being sincere of just mentioning just a few because it's too many to name because we have a lot to get to. Uh, I, I can't even say this guy. It's all usernames. We don't know these real people. They, they, you know, they're all. I don't think they're catfishing us. I think they really like nah, yeah. the podcast. Uh, is Asleti? You know, A S L A T I E from a my GNR forum, and he said it's one of the best podcasts he's ever heard. It was the best. The, the best. I mean, my. God. I don't know about that, but that's. I mean, I, there, I, there's I, some great podcasts I, out there. Like yes, Joe there Rogan is, and, and every, I think everything I do is stupid. You make it better, but I, you, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. Uh, you know that compliment from him, which is more than appreciated. Uh, estranged a fan from my GNR forum, and he left a, a, a review for us on iTunes, which we really appreciate. Yes, we are on iTunes. You know, help us, you know, boost our numbers, as they say in the biz, right? Do they say that in the biz? Uh, I think so. Okay. They're saying <laughs> it now. So thank you for leaving us uh, positive reviews. A lot more from my GNR forum. And we're also heavily on, on Facebook and, and Twitter, both at the AFD show. But a couple I want to mention from, or I should say three, because a couple is two. From, <laughs> from tw- Why did I have to over-explain that? Uh, from uh, our Twitter. And that would be Mimi Rocks 84 She's always liking our stuff and retweeting it. 
the real Shane thirty one. He said this is he's listened to a lot of podcasts and this is the best one he's ever heard. I mean, I don't know how that's happened, but thank you. I mean, that really means a lot to us. So thank you. That's why we want to call you out by at least your your handle and uh, appetite for GNR. What a great uh, handle and, and and site that is on Twitter. Always retweeting photos I've never seen and videos I've never seen, and they're they're really helping us with our exposure and retweeting our stuff and liking our stuff. So thank you. Uh, so we want to get that out of the way before we get into. The amount of stuff that has happened, like who, how dormant was Guns N' Roses for how many years? And yeah. just between our podcasts, so much has already happened. Well, I love the whole mystery of it. So anyway, what I was getting at, though, um, and I, I really just want to mention this quickly, was that so the night that Adler played with Guns N' Roses, it was trending on Facebook and Twitter and all and that. And it was which the was, Cincinnati show. Yeah, which Nobody was awesome knew. to see. And then... One night later, unfortunately, what was trending is just all this terrible stuff that happened in Texas. And, you know, this has been just a horrible news week. Mm. And the only thing I wanted to say is, like, I love doing this podcast because working in political talk radio and all that, it's nice to get away from, like, the terribleness that that has become of this country, really. And all I really wanted to say, honestly— is that don't be one of those people who's afraid to leave your house because of all this stuff going on and just watching 24-7 news. You can't you know, live your life like that. Yeah, so to connect it back to this podcast, like go out to these Guns N' Roses shows and and have a great time. And, you know, don't let terrorists and, and people who are, you know, killing police or in, you know, the case of the days before, police officers who are, you know, abusing their power— uh, stop you from enjoying your life and and it's just that's why i love doing this show it's great to get away from the bullshit really i'm really glad that we we kind of essentially started uh with that as far as content and that's i'm glad to hear you say that because you really are immersed in the political talk on sirius and i'm fortunate enough to yes i follow it i'm aware you know um but i'm able to really compartmentalize because i work in rock radio and i can get away from that stuff if i want to and I think that's important to get away that we still, despite all the shit that's going on, we have this love of this band, a love of rock and roll, and we can still appreciate it. And that's how we want to live our lives. And we hope that whatever you find in your life, whether it's Guns N' Roses, whether it's Hall & Oates, whether it's just being with your family, which is probably more important, yeah. um, just enjoy it and don't be afraid. You yeah. know? So thank you for taking time out of your more important lives to spend it with us. So yeah, thank you. I, I, and that's why I said I just wanted to mention it quickly because it's, you know. I'm glad you did. We can't, it's been such a heavy news week that I usually don't like to mention what's going on in the news because this is not the forum for it, but it, it was too much to not mention. So anyway, back to what we were saying, though. The night before the shit hit the fan in Texas, mm, basically, right. Adler was uh, trending all over different social media and it is just an amazing thing and an amazing inspirational story. Even seeing what his mom wrote about him getting on stage. Yeah, do you have with it in front of Roses. you? Yeah, I screenshotted it. Um, so on her personal Facebook, uh, if I pull it up here, she wrote, and this is uh, Dina Adler. I don't know if it's Deanna Adler. Uh, Good morning, my friends. Last night, my son Stephen Adler played with Guns N' Roses. His dream of performing with them once again came true. I cannot tell you just how proud of him I am. To see him on stage with that smile brought tears to my eyes. God bless him. By the way, is he looking good or what? Proud. I mean, that, I I don't think we understand. I think we do to a degree, but how important that is to that woman. You know, I read his autobiography, and, you know, I don't know if you saw also his 
uh, appearance on what was it, the VH1 rehab, celebrity, yep. celebrity rehab, yeah. and that was just brutal to watch. I mean, this guy was somebody who's kicked out of Guns N' Roses, who was notorious for not even doing, but writing songs about doing heroin and drugs and. You know, uh, and he was kicked out of it for doing too much of it. Yeah. I mean, how bad do you have to be? I mean, you know, he slurs now because he had a coke-induced stroke. And he was doing heroin crack on TV. And we're years later, and correct me if I'm wrong, he's been good for a while. I mean, he's been sober for, you know, a chunk of time, and he's gone back. And, back, you know, that's unfortunately sometimes uh, 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 a method for, for addicts. But he seems healthy. His band Adler has put out good music. He... Has I think you've sent me videos of him on the drums just killing it. Yeah. Just killing it. And I think what's what's happened, you know, because he came out for two songs. You know, I don't think there was any rumblings of this other than just, you know, him and is and or Izzy at some point. I mean, Cincinnati of all the places. I mean, I love Cincinnati, WKRP or whatever. Yeah, but why? Why, <laughs> why Cincinnati? I, I have no and idea. That's the thing. Maybe I, that's why there were rumors that, did he have back surgery? And yes, it, I saw that. So maybe and... it was just time and he's easing his way in i don't I, know but you know what he did play at that m3 rock fest um in i think it's maryland okay and uh how long when was that that was a few weeks back so i huh. you know i think it was actually before he even started this podcast so he's he's good enough to drum i just you know what this is part of what i love about guns and roses just the mystery of this band like i'm a huge Motley Crue fan. Me too. But if you went out and saw that final tour, it was basically the same thing every night, including the final show. They didn't. There were no surprises. There were no guests up on that stage. Mm. Like they didn't bring out John Karabi. Oh, did you see cool. the rant that he went on on Facebook? Yeah. So it's, yeah. But you know, with Guns N' Roses, it's like the fact that they don't do media, and you're you're still left wondering, like, all right, are they going to change the set list up? Are they going to bring out Steven Adler? Is is he going to come out at some point? Like, I love that mystery component of this band. That's I couldn't agree more, and it's it's frustrating. But I think we we enjoy the frustration a little bit. We're a bit of a masochist with this uh, with this band, yeah. Uh, just because I think that it's the the mystery element of rock and roll is is missing, and it's so hard to do that in in today's media. Because when Guns was huge, there was no you know YouTube, there was no Facebook, there was no social media, there was none of that stuff. And now it's so hard to keep a secret, and the fact that they do that. You know, even though, like, even with Axel being with ACDC and TMZ all over it, we didn't know until, like, they let, they said for sure. There were rumors about, we're like, oh, we think it's going to happen. No, you're going to know when we tell you, like, it's official, it's going to happen. So I do enjoy that. And, but just the way the, Steven came out and just how he, I love how Axel introduces everybody. I think you know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Steven <laughs> he, does, he doesn't even do, like, a huge, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if this was Sebastian Bach, who's on the other side of the spectrum of being like, holy shit. Like, yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. 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 It was just like that almost this was expected. And, and the audience the... goes nuts because. But they we... seemed like they were in shock. They were like, when they, they panned to the audience yeah. in that clip that I think no one expected it at all because he was well into the show. And he played uh, a couple tracks. Out to Get Me. And My Michelle. Yeah. And, and he killed it. You know, and just seeing those moments. And his you know, smile, man. Like his, he's, oh my. He's so happy. Like and Slashes been, and Axel's smile, too. Yeah. Everybody was smiling. Yeah, because with what the other guys, we, we talked about, like, hmm, are they getting along? Are they not getting along? Even though it seems like they definitely are. Uh, but with, with Steven Adler on stage, there is no doubt in your mind that he enjoys being up there. You, you couldn't possibly think otherwise. This is somebody who's more than anybody clamoring for a reunion. I mean, Duff, like, maybe one day. Slash, eh, you know, maybe one day. 
Axel, <laughs> when Hell freezes over, <laughs> yeah, not in his lifetime. Not in his lifetime. Not in his yeah. lifetime. You know, but Adler, we, we got to do it. We got to do it. I mean, and he was somebody who kicked out many, many years ago. And, yeah. And what I've noticed, I don't know if you with your friends, and I don't know if it's par for the course or it's just unfortunate. You know, some people making the comments, oh, he's still alive. I mean, those are just trolls being assholes. But some of those, like, he, he can still play. And they remember those clips from him from VH1 Classic, which was years ago at this point. Like, he's okay? You know, I had somebody here at uh, WBAB uh, where we're recording the station I work for on uh, Long Island who's a huge into rock and say, I thought he uh, he had a stroke. I'm like, yeah, but that was years ago and it only affected his speech. He's like, oh, and this is somebody who uh, is into rock, you know, and I guess that passed him over. So he, this is somebody who's out of the limelight and somebody this is just it feels good. Somebody who's who's faced addiction like this and depression and has gotten through it all to have this moment that he's wanted. You know, hopefully tonight, you know, when we're recording this, he comes back again. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. You know, some more of my friends are teasing me. He's like, well, what's Adler's position going forward? I don't know. Oh, thanks. Behind the scenes of a podcast. I'm yeah. like, nobody knows. That's that's the beauty of it. Um, So before we get to the great Anthony Bozer, because we actually have to call him in like a minute, uh, as you mentioned, Izzy put out a track with Matt Storm. I don't know if the whole track is out, but we heard a clip it's, of it. It's and- like TP Money. Yeah, and it, it just from the clip, it definitely mentions money and almost sounds like it might be talking about this reunion and the money grab, staying away from the money, and it's a little strange, man. I don't, I, I want to see Izzy back on this stage, and this is not hopeful. I mean, sometimes we read too much into things, and that's just been the way it is. Why is it with Matt man? Storm, though? He hasn't done anything with him, at I least d- as far as I... I haven't followed Izzy's soul career that much, to be honest. Same I, here. I mean, I, I know he's the, the, the Juju Hounds, right? Yeah, but I mean, I like that song he put out, Vietnam. That was really, or Baby Ran Away to Vietnam, whatever it was called. Good, very good song. I had that on my iPod for quite some time, rocked out to it. Um, but it is it is a little suspect that he's putting out a track with Matt Sorm now, both guys not involved with the reunion. It's weird, especially since Izzy was with Axel in the, in the previous version of Guns N' Roses, so you would like to think they're cool. Or maybe the fact that he has this reunion that maybe Izzy wasn't cool with the rest of the band. And Axel had to make a, make a choice. I'm taking that as pure nowhere. Yeah. I, I, but as we said, you know, the correction he, that we made, he got on stage with Velvet Revolver. Yeah, so, so then what? what is it? We yeah. don't know. Maybe we'll get an insight from uh, Anthony Boza because I mentioned reading Stephen Adler's book. And I've joked. I'm like, when like, hey, do you want to read uh, Stephen Adler's book? I'll let you know when I'm done coloring it. Because it was just, I mean, it was Stephen Adler. It was all over the place. And the two books I read by him, uh, by uh, Anthony, and we'll talk about that are uh, Tommy Lee's book, Tommy Land, and Slashes. And it's, I, I really, this is years and years ago. I never thought I would be speaking to, you know, the co-author, I guess. Before we bring on Anthony Boza, who's on the line with us now, um, the way that I met Anthony was, as some of you guys may know, I produce some shows outside of here uh, for, like, my real job. And uh, one of those being Senator Bill Bradley's American Voices on Sirius and we do a segment with different authors called Favorite Places about different authors' favorite place in America. Uh, and just being a fan of Anthony's work, reading Tommy Lee's book and Tracy Morgan's book and and both of Artie Lang's books, I suggested we bring on Anthony. And we kind of clicked right away. We were talking rock and roll and talking about Motley Crue and just different stuff going on. And then I found out that Anthony's father delivered me as a baby. And there's our connection. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I, you know what? I have to break your balls on one thing, though, before we get into everything. So I found out that when, you know, that your father delivered me from my mom, and she's like, yeah, Dr. Baza. 
but you go by Anthony Boza. So this reminds me of like the the Carmine uh, Apice and Vinny uh, Apice, how, how they're related, <laughs> yeah. but they pronounce their last name differently. So I just have to ask, what's up with that? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, my father's family, I, I guess they, they said that back in the day. It was like, it was more sort of American pronunciation, I suppose. Um, but really in Italian, it's Bossa. So to me, it should be Boza. So I don't know, when I had a choice in the matter, I decided that's the way. I think it should be done. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I just, I had to bring that up. So, I mean, it's kind of the funniest connection ever that I, I have this picture of me as, uh, you know, being delivered with your father in the background. And I, and I showed it to you. And you're like, yep, that's my dad. But, um, yep, so the, the, there he is. the first thing I want to get into with you is you got to co-write Slash's book with him and obviously share some awesome experiences with him. And we want to get into what goes into co-writing a book, but... My first question is, when when you were writing this book, did you ever think that this was going to be a reality, that this band was going to get back together and reunite? Did you think there was any way in hell it was going to happen? Wait, they got back together? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I never, never, you know, like the Not In This Lifetime is an apt title for the tour. I really did it, um, and not because of Splash, really. Uh, I guess mostly because... Axel was doing his thing. Um, I, I really didn't. I didn't think there was any way in, in hell that was going to happen. Uh, you know, I mean, Flash wasn't sitting there saying, <clears throat> like, I, you know, I hate Axel and, and I would never work with him again. That, that, that's not why. There's just too many moving parts. Um, and Flash was really, you know, really psyched to kind of do his own thing, which he, you know, he has been doing with, with Miles Kennedy and, and all that kind of stuff. He was really amped to sort of get out there and do his own thing and, and Axel was doing like his, you know, Axel and Friends version of Guns. Mm -hmm. um, so I just never, ever, ever thought I would see this day. I want to know how you got um, like into this because I, I'm like a poor man's version. I'm nowhere near your version of what uh, an author is. You know, I, I my first because um, I were uh, like Ian. I'm also in in radio, uh, and my uh -huh. first gig was up in Cape Cod. And just small, uh, short, a uh, long story short. I worked with this guy to write a book about his family in in in, in Cape Cod, and he because he had a museum and needed somebody to help putting a book together. So I I have like a self published book out there about Cape Cod, you know, it has sold like okay. four or sell, like sold like four hundred copies. So how do I become <laughs> get from Cape Cod to writing with Slash, Tommy Lee, Derek Jeter? Like, what was your path? Because that's a really hard path to be an author. Um, yeah, it, it was definitely you know I didn't like. Um, get a college degree and say that's what I'm going to do I sort of found my way there but uh, I mean I was I was you know on staff in Rolling Stone for eight years um, that happened because I got an internship and uh, basically just sort of looked around and, and you know a, as a lot of cocky people will do <laughs> um, I was like I can do this um, and I really just stuck it out until I got the chance to um, so you know I started out as like a researcher in the library and researched stuff for other writers and sure. sort of the book division that used to have their own like publishing and print. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And then I really, you know, I, I got my big break was um, doing the first cover story on Eminem and about him early and just really stuck with it. And I'm lucky that my editor let me, you know, have a crack at, at doing that cover story. And that's kind of really how it began. And then uh, I wrote I wrote a book about him like with his permission and that was a New York Times bestseller 
And then, and then the Tommy Lee thing kind of happened because uh, someone I knew was actually working for a literary agent, and I wanted to switch agents. And um, I met the guy who became my agent for a while, and uh, he said, well, I have this project, but I can only really tell you about it if you want to become my client. And that was Tommy looking for another co-writer. Um, he had worked with someone else and wasn't working out, and he needed someone like kind of quickly. So it's, I guess it's you know, uh, you know, it's being in the right place at the right time, and you know, being I guess good enough to, to pull it off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, what you what I what I not a great road at all. <laughs> well, what I, I enjoyed a lot was you know I read you know, Slash's book in his words, in his voice. Like, I imagined him writing it. Same thing with Tommy's. And they're two totally different types of personalities. So how did yeah. you do that when, like, what was the process like? Were they were just telling you, hey, this is what happened. Here's when I banged this chick. This is when I did this drug. And you just kind of made it coherent? Or, like, what was the process like? Uh, well, you know, each person, each co-write is definitely different. Uh, it's uh, it's like you know interviewing. I always tell people it's like first date every time. <clears throat> so you have to sort of like figure out who the person is. Um, you have to earn their trust at some point along the process, and that is literally different from. I, I've been asked this by up and coming interviewers and writers, and there's no answer. There's no like one way you can always earn someone's trust. <clears throat> it's different for every single person. But it makes sense. If you don't get that, then you're not going to really have a good, a good book. Um, so Tommy and Slash are very different personalities, but that's you know that's kind of what happened. Uh, you just got to kind of I don't know. You got to get in there. Got to you got to make them like you. And uh, do you go out to dinner? I mean, do you go in a hot tub together? Like, what's I mean, do you have an Anthony Boza approach to you know romancing your your co-author? <laughs> I mean, I like long walks on the beach and, and <laughs> but you know that's not for everybody <laughs> uh, it, it, honestly it depends you know like Tommy uh, it, it, Tommy basically wanted me to kind of live his life and oh jeez you survived it myself. yeah I mean I lived in his house for nine months and I'm still here wow that, that's saying a lot um, that guy is like made of something other other than you know than a normal mortal First of all, um, but you know that like that was what he needed. He needed me to sort of be around, like become. You know, he he obviously he likes me. We're like totally buddies to this to this day. I talk to him all the time. Nice. Um, but for him, it was like live my life, and and you know, and then I'll tell you what's up. I mean, literally in the beginning, it was like he you know he wasn't in Molly Crew at the time. He was kind of pissed about it. Um, just he was like pissed at them, and, and you know he's come back around. So. Like, for example, every time I had a question about Motley, no matter what time of day it was, he would just make me shoot Jack Daniels. <laughs> I love like, it. All right. <laughs> One of the reasons why I ended up living with him, because like, he lived at the top of a canyon, like, up uh, on top of Malibu, and there's, like, no way in hell I was driving the car ever. Like, <laughs> as, like after day five, I'm like, I, I can't drive back to the apartment that, that I have rented for this job. <laughs> so, so that was one thing. Um, you know, with Flash, it was different. I think... The only reason he told me this much later, but um, he'd had a lot of people uh, come after him to do this book, and he had met with a lot of writers. I think about seven or eight, and he had told his manager he was never going to do it. And the guy was like, "Well, just meet this guy." Um, and he told me later that the reason why he decided to do it with me is because in our first long meeting, which was like 
seven hours of him sort of talking late at night on, you know, overlooking the Sunset Strip. It was incredible. Hmm. Uh, it was because that I didn't ask anything about Axl Rose or Guns N' Roses for seven hours. Wow. Yeah. He started talking about his childhood, which is fascinating. Um, and it's a big, big part of the book because I just was like, oh, my God, this kid, this, this kid, this guy, when he was a kid, was like already a rock star. His, his, his childhood is, is crazy. It's incredible. And that, that did it for, you know, for that. That's how I earned his trust. He was like, okay, this guy is just going to be all about guns. So, so you know what I mean? You're gonna, and, and I didn't really know that going in. I didn't know what his preferences were there or whatever. It just, I just went where the story took me, like where I found it interesting. Well, that shows that you care about the person. You know, it's not just the allure, what everybody knows of that person. You know, because you mm-hmm. could see, which is what's surprising, I'm sure, to you, and it is was to us, because you know, there was a time where Slash was like, don't ask me any more Guns N' Roses questions. He's, it was, you could see, he was getting annoyed. You know, I've been successful with, you know, Velvet Revolver, and Slash's Snake Pit had some, you know, uh, some success. And, you know, you, and that's what I like, too, and that's why I wanted to know about your history, you know, what made you a writer, and uh, uh, Ian told me you're also a Long Island guy, so nice. I am. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're all, all Long, Long Island here, oh, God. Um, so, Proud Long Islander. Yeah, well, where, where'd you grow up, by the way? Uh, Port Washington and Manhattan. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, she's right by me. And to finish my thought is it shows that you care, and I always like the, the character building, so I, for me, you know, yeah, I wanted to know all the dirt between Slash and Axel, but knowing that, you know, about his uh, BMX history and, and growing up and, you know, what his parents yeah, were like, the, you know. The BMX so. thing is fascinating. I was That's what hooked me. I was like, really? <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. Can you imagine him as a kid in, like, leather pants BMXing? You know, that's just, like, so yeah. weird. That's, that's what I was, yeah, it was just like this guy was, oh, he was like a little 12-year-old total rock star, like, you know, he was probably the coolest. <laughs> you either have it or, or you and don't. Still is. And that's what I think I also liked. And those are the two books that, I, that I've, and I know you have a lot more, more and we want to get into those uh, later. The other one that I did read of yours was Tommy's. And just knowing, like, what kind of kid he was, you know, and how he was shy and, and you know, and the Greek life that he grew up with, you know, because it's like, yeah. how did you get to that point in your life? How did you become Tommy Lee? You know, that just doesn't just happen. I mean, well, you know, let me change that. Uh, sometimes in today's world, you can create a Justin Bieber. You can create a Britney Spears. But these are people that were, you know, what they were as children kind of paved the way for them to be the legends that they are today. So that's really cool. So that's why I wanted to know, like, where you came from. Yeah. How are you writing with Derek Jeter? I'm a huge Yankee fan. I hate you for that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Yankee fan, too. Um, Jeter was cool. He was, you know, that was like a very, it was a, you know, it was was a different kind of thing. I just interviewed him for a photo book. So it wasn't like the whole life story, um, unfortunately. So it wasn't a lot of time. And Derek Jeter is incredibly, incredibly tactful and gracious and is a great host. Um, and also incredibly well-trained in, like, not really revealing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Very frustrating for many a reporter over the years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so, you know, we, we did the work, and it was, like, super pleasant and, and really fun. Um, and, it's, and it's Derek Jeter, and it was his final season. And I got to go in the clubhouse for, like, every home game. So, oh. you know, like, please, I can die happy. Um, so you were at the last but, game where you had the walk-off hit? Absolutely. <laughs> and my, it was see, I was in the stands for when he jumped into the, um, you know, into, into the stands and uh, bl- oh. butted up his face. So that was, but that's not as cool as you. So that you trumped my that's story. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. <laughs> um, he was great, though. He was great. Um, and the thing, I, you know, the most, 
I think I, we definitely used this quote in the book. I think it made the cut, but I don't know. The most revealing thing uh, I feel like I learned about him was when he just said, like, you know, he's like, after this, he's like, I'm not going to be hanging around. Like, I'm, you're not going to see me doing Yankee stuff. And he's like, you know, no disrespect, but, like, I did it, and I'm good. And he's like, I'm going to go, like, have a life now. He's like, you know, I realized – he said, you know, you know, I've never, like, gone on – vacation in the summer since i was like you know mm. like 16 <laughs> and he's 40 or so but that's cool i mean i didn't know that really yeah i mean yeah, was like, we all assume that travel mm -hmm. and, and yeah i know exactly like that's baseball's got the longest season of any professional sport we have in this country so you know he was like i want to travel i want i want to go to all these places and i've like never really had the chance to do that because you know they get a couple months off and then it's back into training and he's so dedicated that I think his time off is even less because he cared and, and right. would, you know, get right back to it. So um, he was just like, I'm, you know, I, I want to just kind of be a normal guy or just do things that people can't do. Like or, bang sorry, Mika Kelly or whatever normal. who's married to. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just a normal guy. Yeah. <laughs> that long list of hot babes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> getting getting back into Slash here, you know, you just talked about meeting him for the first time and everything. So you're a guy who grew up on Guns N' Roses and their music. I know you're a rock fan at large. We've had some great discussions about, like I said, the crew and Guns. Do you get starstruck meeting this guy that you've watched on MTV growing up as a kid and, and you know, seeing all these great music videos and listening to their albums? Do, are, are you kind of in shock? Um, well... You know, I, I definitely, there are people that definitely do that to me. Um, you know, to be able to, like, do my job at Rolling Stone, I've had to sort of figure out a way not to let that happen so I could stay focused <laughs> and, like, not, you know, just talk over them during the interview and, and, and derail myself. Um, like me? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that said, uh, you know, he's still, Slash is, like, one of those unique people, Um he he's like a unicorn, you know. He really is like that cool. So that's so, what's under that top hat, okay? Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, a unicorn horn. Um, so I mean, I will. I, I always say that I'm pretty much like a fan first, and um, there are definitely always moments when I'm doing what I do where, like, secretly inside, I'm high fiving myself, you know, <laughs> like trying like, trying not to let anyone know, especially the person I'm talking to, just how cool I think this moment is. Um, and I think hopefully they don't, but, uh, but there was a lot of that stuff with him. Like, for example, um, when we were working together, uh, the guitar hero, uh, edition came out with flashes in it. Sure. And so I was playing guitar hero against flash with both of us playing him. Oh man. <laughs> That's what a surreal moment. Really funny. Um, it was, it was actually super funny. He, uh, he would play and be like, it, we were actually, I think, playing a Motley song, so even more of like a circle of, of life or whatever. Um, and, and he would just be like, I can play this on the real guitar. <laughs> That's amazing. But then, then dude went on vacation with his kids snowboarding for like a week and a half and came back and completely was better than I was. And I was like, really? God, because, you know, practice makes perfect. It was like, you know, he just was like, Got really good at it, <laughs> so kind of funny. What a trip! Um, but like for so that that's kind of moment where I was like, "This is amazing!" Like I'm high fiving younger self and present self <laughs> secretly in my mind at the same time. 
That's just awesome, man. I, so did you get to see him perform as well while you were writing this book? Um, he was in Velvet Revolver at the time. And when, when it came time to do, like, final edits, uh, they were on tour. And so I did sort of spend, like, I think a week with them in Canada um, seeing shows and getting the, the final stuff for the book done. So, yes. And Duff was there, too. Um, and I did, Duff read, like, bunches, like, pieces of the book. And I remember him saying to Slash, he's like, yeah, man, I think you remember about 70% of <laughs> <laughs> And that's, and the, our book is, like, 400 pages long. So Yeah, it's sitting in front of me. I brought him in for show and tell. I have the Slash and uh, Tommy Lee book right in front of me right now. And it's a, yeah. big, it's a big book. I was like, wow, Slash wrote a lot. Yeah, it's like, near, it's like you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's quite Bible-sized, but it's pretty close. Um, and uh, yeah, so I always that was really funny. He's like, "Do you remember this and this?" And then they would kind of reminisce. And those stories were like really kind of insane, and you know, they're blackout stories. Um, <laughs> but I think we had, I think we did it. I mean, there's there's a, there's enough in there. <laughs> but I thought that was really funny. You know what I'm wondering about writing the book? So I'm a good friend of Jack Murphy's, who works in the over at softrep.com. Uh, and he's an amazing writer, and he's been helping to co-write um, Jim West's book, who's a veteran uh, martial arts expert, and they're shopping it around right now. And Jack loved writing this book with Jim, but he told me, he's like, I don't know if I could ever do this again. It's just, it's so hard to write from someone else's voice. It's just such a difficult process, and it really took a lot to get used to. So I'm wondering for you, how hard is it to, you know, help write passages in Slash's voice from his perspective? Um, Co-writing is not for everyone. I can very much say that. Uh, it's a unique um, set of skills. Like, you know, I've had a lot of... A particular set of skills. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, that too. It's a co-writing pill. Um, uh, I've had a lot of friends, you know, like fellow journalists <clears throat> um, who have sort of wanted to make that transition. And, and they're always like, well, you know, you just sort of you tape record them and then you kind of transcribe it and you just edit it, right? And I'm like, yeah, keep telling yourself that. <laughs> it's, a, it's, um, it's a lot more than that, you know? Like just, it, I mean, as your friend found out, you can't just really tape record someone and put it into paragraph form. It, you won't really capture them. You'll just, you'll capture a bit, but you have to kind of get inside their head. You have to figure out how they want to sound, um, how they would write their own book if they could write it themselves. Not to say they can't, but they might not have time or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's a tricky, it's a little bit like psychotherapy too, which, you know, they, I don't know. I find analysis of human beings interesting. So um, here. Because you, you don't want I, it to sound like you, like writing their book. You want no. it to be like, it, it's it's still them. You're just, you're just their vessel, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and that I mean, if I'm doing that and you feel like you're reading and it sounds like that person, and I've, I've won the day, and I did my job. And you um, did. That's what I said. It sounded like Tommy. It sounded like Slash. And I just thought, you know, maybe, you, you know, I didn't know how in-depth you were at the time. I mean, this was years ago I read these. I'm like, oh, maybe he just made sure that they, you know, spoke English or something. I wasn't sure what the involvement of Anthony Bose at the time was, but yeah, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, you know, the people I co-write with generally just show up and talk to me, and I do the rest. Mm. You do all the work. <laughs> they live yeah, the life. Oh, you do the work. <laughs> A hundred percent. I totally do. Um, I mean, like, you know, certain, like Artie Lang, for example, you know, works in the spoken medium and has been on radio and is a stand-up comic. So he is, we have a really great working relationship. Um, and maybe, you know, with Artie is probably a little bit more, 
I probably am able to give him more direction. So, you know, he'll tell a bunch of stories. And it's, my, it's a shorter process probably from the interview to the final. Um, with other people, like, you know, like Flash is a musician and he expresses himself through guitar and um, is kind of a, a, a pretty shy guy generally. Mm. So that took a lot more. Um, you know, every, every person's different. He was, if the person really wants it and is really into it, my job is easier. Um, some, you know, some people are just kind of think it's like a magazine interview and it's really not. It's like a little more in depth. So, yeah, it's, but uh, I don't know if that answered your question or what your question was at this Yeah, point. no, no <laughs> I, I, I get it. Absolutely. And the thing that I'm wondering also about opening up is I would think as these guys are writing the book, there's certain things that they do not want to talk about, but that the fans really want to hear about. Like, do you ever get any flack for something they opened up to you about and you end up putting in the book and they're like, man, I don't really want this out there for people to read, but those are the type of things that are going to make this book a New York Times bestseller. Um, yeah, you know, generally, like, I would say there's always some stuff like that that I feel like people, you know, definitely are going to want to hear or need to hear. Um, I would never, you know, encourage them to do anything that could be, like, damaging to them, really, but or, or irrelevant. I mean, generally, my argument is it's good for the story or it moves the story, the narrative along. If it does that and it's shocking, then I should stay. I mean, these are all discussions that, that we have in general, you know, and usually, like, obviously, they read, read everything and we go over it and uh, we make those decisions together. Then, like, with the case with Slash and why he chose you, you know, you didn't ask about Axel for seven hours, which I, I good for you, man. That's like, I don't know, that's like some Zen Buddhist shit right there, not to ask, like, you have Slash in front of you, not ask about Axel Rose. I mean, I, I, I swear to God, it was because his childhood is so fascinating. I was asking about, like, David Bowie and, and you know, and his parents. Oh, for sure, but for seven hours, not even a quick stuff. little, like, you know, so, uh, you know, you and Axel, huh? not even, like, a slip it in, but uh, I was wondering, you know, what... I mean, what, like, how did you approach that? Because I was expecting to read something in Slash's book, scathing. This is the first time, like you said, Slash is a shy guy. He's really not, you know, somebody to, to talk a lot in interviews. But the only thing I remember, and, and obviously you'll correct me if I'm wrong, is the only thing that was kind of awkward about Axel in the book is, you know, he jumped out of a car once because he was uncomfortable. And, you know, then that's just like a weird, you know, quirk, I guess, if you're jumping out of a car. But I, there was nothing really as ve venomous as Axel has said about Slash. In, in the past. I know, and that was real. There was none of that. I, you know, everything he said about Axel, we used. And that really is how he felt. That story, by the way, is the thing that speaks volumes to me. That's like, I feel like that's every, everything I need to know about the mind of Axel Rose, or maybe all that I'll ever know. <laughs> right. Um, well, maybe you'll, you'll write his book one day. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they're probably, you know. I, listen, I mean, some, I think you have to choose. You have to choose people in a band. I, I don't know if anyone would like pass around the same writer. Yeah, true. Uh, good point. <laughs> but good point. I mean, I would do it. Obviously, the second. Um, but yeah, I like that analogy. Pass around the same lighter. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a little sounds a little groupy too. <laughs> but but I, I, I don't know. I like it. But uh, so did, did anything? Because that surprised me. Did you go in since you are a fan? You were a fan. That you expected that you, a, I mean, we we know that we learned about Slash's childhood, but anything more than that that just blew you away? That oh my God, I looked up this guy and now I wrote his book and like there's so much more I learned. 
was there, what did you gain or perhaps lose from, from working with him? Um, let's see. I mean, like I said, well, the childhood, yeah, that was the most fascinating <clears throat> childhood I've ever heard of. Um, well, for those, I guess, who, who, who don't who haven't read, I mean, I want them still to pick it up, even though it's been out for a while, like a quick synopsis of like Slash's, you know, what you what you learned. You know, because you mentioned his mom. His mom dated uh, David Bowie, or was that the deal? Well, his mother was was a costume designer. She did like all of the costumes on uh, *Man Who Fell to Earth*. And then she and Bowie had an affair. Well, he's still married to uh, Slash Dad. Um, and it was a kind, you know, it was like the '70s, so it was like the kind of thing where they would, he would, David would come over with. Um, I guess he was married to Angela at the time, and his son Zoe, and they would, uh, he and Ola, slash his mom, would do like transcendental meditation together. I mean, they were totally like sleeping with each other, and like they kind of knew it, and it, you know, just very 70s. Um, that whole thing, uh, his dad was a painter um, who painted a lot of like famous album covers. Like back in the day, the industry would you know, commissioned him to paint, like, he painted the cover of um, Joni Mitchell, Ladies of the Canyon, and these were big seven, six-foot canvases that were then photographed for the album cover. Um, and that, you know, that was the kind of artsy way that they were doing it, you know, back in the day. So, like, all that kind of moment in time, they lived in Laurel Canyon, like, when, you know, I think the Eagles still live there, and, like, Morrison used to, you know, when he was alive, lived up the street. Um, that kind of stuff. I was just, like, this kid literally was born to be a rock star. Yeah. Um, and then he, then he became an almost, you know, was like semi-pro BMX rider and then discovered guitar and didn't care about bikes anymore. Like, um, it was like a pot dealer when he was 12. He was like, <laughs> who are you, man? Like, he was literally born to be flashed. Yeah, and that, uh, that also makes sense because when you hear about kind of these guys who are so talented on something, when they pick it up, they become obsessed with it. So... You know, it's this obsession to become a, uh, a you know, great on a bike or, or amazing on a guitar the way that he has. Uh, and I'm just wondering, you, you know, you told that Guitar Hero story. That's a great one. Are there any other just crazy stories from that, I, I assume, about a year or so working with Slash and, and helping him to write this book? Like anything that, that people don't know about that you got to do with him? Well, um, he was, you know, he had gone to rehab. And I, we talk about this in the book, so I'm not really spilling any beans. But uh, basically, I always tell this to people, like tell people that you know the way you should under this book feels as intimate as it does because we also did all the interviews from like generally midnight to like 4 a.m. Wow, um, which is when when he was still using drugs. Uh, he he would put his kids to sleep and his wife would go upstairs and <clears throat> for about those hours. He would like, you know, do. He was like doing opiates, and would sit in his studio and just play guitar or or video games actually, and so he sort of substituted that time. He was still like on that sleep schedule, but he wasn't doing drugs anymore. So he substituted that with me hmm. and telling stories. So you know, I feel like that book feels very intimate and like you're literally sitting in a room. Well, you, I literally was sitting in a smoke-filled room with flash like chain smoking French cigarettes and telling me <laughs> stories about Guns N' Roses. Um, so I feel like that comes across because literally that's how it happens. Uh, so there you go. And do you, do you want to become more like a friend than, than a co-author at any point? And, and, you know, 
help him in the direction of his life while he's going through. Like these when the book's times. over, it's like, how do you do? Like, so, so do you want to, you know, grab a bagel? Like, do you want to still like, <laughs> do you want to hang out? Um, you know, like if that's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. I mean, I'm about to go get on a plane. I know. And go, see, and go hang out with him like after the show <sighs> in Nashville tonight. So I'm really pumped. Um, so that kind of, you know, that happens. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly friends with some of the people I've worked with, like. You know, I get texts from Mick Fleetwood that make that like blows my mind all the time. That's so cool. <laughs> you know, and Tommy, Tommy and I are like ridiculous. He's like my big brother. It's like he's never stopped being that guy. Um, you know, Slash is a private dude, and and we um, we worked really well together. And I definitely like in touch with him and uh, and see him when we're in the same place. Um, and you know, and that's it. He, about a year a year later, he he told somebody else. A compliment about working with me that got to me and that's the kind of guy he is too like he was never he's incredibly civil and always very nice um, but he thinks to himself and is very he's really like the epitome of cool like he really is just like just cool level you know slash <laughs> um, but that meant a lot you know I sort of did get like he, he kind of said like how great it was and how much he loved the book and and what it was like but he didn't tell me he he told somebody that he knew would tell me <laughs> you know what i mean that's the kind of guy he is so that's cool anyway i lived for that moment which is great that's awesome and and when you were saying about hanging out with tommy lee actually what popped up on my news feed um a few weeks back was anthony being interviewed with tommy and i think it was dj arrow and a bunch of other guys by that in, I'm friends with her on Facebook. That Long Island Jewish Jewish princesses chick, oh, okay. Amanda Burton Cini, because oh, she's ridiculously hot. But uh, <laughs> that was fun to watch, man. Dude, that was a funny night. Yeah, Tommy had Tommy gets some very interesting DJ bookings. That was like a tattoo convention. Oh, I wonder why. Um, <laughs> at like a, at a casino, <laughs> I go, it's like, dude, I'm in town. Come over. So, um, <laughs> That was hilarious. Do you drop uh, all that plans at that point when Tommy Lee texts you and is like, yo, I'm, I'm in town, come hang? Yeah, pretty much. That, you know, and to be honest, that time he stayed an extra day uh, just to, like, hang out with, with me, basically. Um, and we, he wanted to see, like, the part of Brooklyn I live in and wanted to, like, you know, we, like, I've, I have a lot of food, fr- food friends in the food world and stuff, and he, like, wanted to go to, like, you know, crazy new cocktail spot and try all that kind of stuff so we you know it was pretty fun i also took him to like a hardcore show because <laughs> we were walking by and there was one of those like afternoon like eight bucks for hardcore bands during the day and he heard it and he was like dude let's go in there and see what's going on <laughs> so it's like tommy lee sneaking into like a brooklyn punk show and nobody knew who he was, was holy awesome. shit yeah, Wait, what is? Really they realized by the time we left, but then it was too late. Yeah, I was gonna say, what is the reaction of Tommy Lee walking into a local Brooklyn hardcore show? Like that's insane. They didn't even know. Everyone was too into it, and you know, and it's really funny. And and you know, he was sort of dressed down, like just hat on. We just kind of snuck in and just, like listened for a while. Um, uh, actually, the bouncer was like, "Yeah, you guys can't come in. It's it's almost a capacity." And then I was like, I just like paid the guy. And then when we were leaving. He's like, "Wait, is that Tommy Lee?" I'm like, "Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was pretty fun. So as for tonight's show, as as we even mentioned earlier before we brought you on, you're on your way to Nashville, flying in to see GNR, and, and this is the first time you're seeing, you know, I guess what people would call the real GNR, right? 
Right. And uh, Steven Adler hopped on stage yes. at the last show. Which we were talking so about. So are you hopeful that it's going to happen tonight? Because this is a big I, moment because nobody knows, like, was that a one-off? Like, what's going on? So tonight it's going to hopefully answer some questions, probably not knowing this band. But Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go with he's probably going to be there just because I like to put the positive vibes out there. Good. Um, <laughs> I mean, because, like, you know, why would why would he just do one show? I think, and also Cincinnati, no disrespect. That's but, what we were saying that too. Like, why? That, you know, and this one's, you know, Nashville is like the music capital of the South. So, um, I'm, I am hopeful that we're going to see another Adler appearance. I can only hope. Yeah. That Izzy will be there because uh, that is the unicorn. That guy is the bomb. Yeah. Um, and it would be <laughs> incredible. And he lives in California and has a place in Indiana. So Indiana's not too far. From Nashville, Tennessee. He's got to come out, I would, man. I mean, that like I will melt. It's just like we get all the guys. It's so die. close. It's awesome. I mean, yeah. Writing when you're during writing, you, you said earlier, like you you never thought, none of us ever thought that this. Was, so, what is your reaction to now? Like, how do you feel like this is happening? Like, what are your hopes for 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 the future? I mean, do you look at this as because uh, Ian and I were talking about earlier with the song that um, Izzy just put out with Matt Sorum. They're looking into the lyrics. Is, you know, is it about the new uh, reunion? Is it about money? Do you look at this as a, a money grab? Do you look at this as, you know what, everyone's matured. This is just the time for everybody to get, to get back together again. Like, what is your view on the whole reunion and the band going forward? Um, I don't know. I mean, listen, everyone likes to make money, and the offers that those guys are getting for years are really insane. Um. I'm sure it's partially that. It's partially just like putting something to bed. You know, they couldn't, like, I'm, I'm glad they did. I'm glad they came around and did it because everyone's been waiting for it and they should have put the icing on that cake, you know? Um, like while, <laughs> while everyone's still here. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, if they, will they make new music? That would be killer. I'd love to hear it. But again, I'm kind of an Izzy guy. Like, I want to hear Izzy and Slash playing guitar together again. Oh, yeah. Um, so... So if that happened, damn it, that would be amazing. It really you know, would. No disrespect I, to the hired hands, but like, just go listen to anything off Appetite. Like the way they play back, it's insane. Like they're the best. So I'm gonna hold out for that. That would make me really happy. I'd love to hear what they would come up with. You know, I'm also curious. But then mm -hmm. and then again, it might it might get into the like, is it gonna be more like you know keyboard heavy Axel style, Axel slash Elton John style, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Or is it going to be the real deal, like, you know, like Appetite, well, then what, all guitars and, and balls? But isn't it crazy that uh, Slash and Duff are playing stuff off Chinese democracy? I mean, I want, I, how did that conversation happen? Let alone the conversation to get back together again, but just, they're playing yeah. this music, you know? And they really didn't, you know, shit on the record when it came out. They try to be diplomatic about it, but the, that the fact that they're playing these songs... It's just that's even makes this more surreal. It's just where yeah, are we? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just like being polite. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know I mean? fair enough. <laughs> Everyone's getting to do their thing, so so that may you know what I mean. Maybe that is a sign that like they could do some new music because everyone's sort of down for for the team, so to speak. Um, I guess we'll we'll have to see. I'll probably just be getting a beer during that during those songs. <laughs> <laughs> you, you weren't a fan? Not really. No. I, I like I you know because I know Scotto and I like, I like it. the original lineup. I'm a purist about this band. Um, it, it's yeah no I really didn't actually like it. I, I, I Axel is one of the most incredible rock and roll voices like in history, so it's nice to always hear him. But uh, you know it was like 
really? This took you a lot of it to me. By the time he got it out, it really sounded dated. Yeah. You know, it was like if he had gotten it out when he started it, like what, twelve years before, um, some of the rock and some quasi-industrially tinged stuff would have felt more, I don't know, relevant. Yeah, a lot of people seem to feel that way. But so, you know what's so crazy about this band, and I, I was hinting at it a little bit before with Brandon uh, when we before we brought you on, and you could relate to this working with Tommy Lee, is that there's such a big difference between like these reunion shows and those last Motley Crue shows or when Tommy Lee reunited with Motley Crue because I've seen them a bunch of times. I fucking love Motley Crue. I have the Dr. Feelgood tattoo on my back, as I think you know. But <laughs> yep. nonetheless, when you go see Motley Crue, it is very predictable. It's the same set list every yeah. night. They don't bring out any special guests. You know, as I was saying to Brando, they don't bring out John Karabi in that last show or anything like that. Like, the last show set list was pretty much the same set list that I saw months before. And I know, you know, you went to a bunch of those shows and that you saw with this band, it's like, it's such a mystery. Is Adler going to come back? Is Steven going to come back? And uh, Is well, it I going mean, to implode? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I personally love that mystery element of this band, and yeah. I think that's what keeps it fresh and exciting for me. Yeah, I agree. It's way more, it's more like a living thing, if that makes any sense. You know, it, it still does. kind of could evolve and change, and there are all those things. Um, yeah, with Molly, it's like, you know, you know what you're going to get. Um, you know, Vince isn't going to do anything new. Um, <laughs> and like that, you new know, surgery. That's, uh, that's kind of the, the deal. A new fight um, with Nicolas Cage, maybe? What's that? A new fight with Nicolas Cage? That was the oh, weirdest yeah. fucking... You can't even make that shit up. Oh, my God. Or, oh, God, or did you see that TMZ thing where he's asking for his Bentley and, the, like, getting into a fight with a garage attendant? Yeah. Oh. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. He is... I want my car! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. his, like, stomach is coming out of his shirt. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> go for it, bud. Um, well, yeah. I, I also want to um, I want to ask you, because you wrote the... It's a, okay, just, is I got to go after this, though, because I'm going to miss... Yeah, no. Oh, absolutely. We're not going to prevent yeah. you from missing Guns N' Roses. Because <laughs> I know you wrote the uh, an ACDC uh, biography, right? So it, it was, was just really like a love letter to ACDC and uh, also a letter to all the critics who never really gave them any any play. Then I want to get your, your um, feeling because it was just announced that uh, Cliff Williams is going to retire after this tour. What do you feel about Axel, DC in general, or and, and potentially Axel continuing with now just Angus Young, it seems like? Oh, God. Um, well, I mean, I didn't even plan to see any of these because, like, I have a— I'm I'm not even as into it when um when uh Chris Slade is playing playing drums, mm. you know, like and, and without Malcolm, it's just like this isn't really the same. Um, I don't have any plans. I mean, I I think choosing Axel was genius because I don't really know who else could do it. <laughs> um, Agreed. So I was I was down with that, but it's just now nah, it's just like I I really wish that wasn't happening and they would just sort of hang it up together, you know. I agree. You know, understandable, I, man. Yeah, I saw them at Coachella. I saw them like that was what was that the Black Ice tour still? I saw them do Coachella and like that section, um, and it was good. But like you, you know, when Chris Slade is is drumming, um, it's just not the same. It doesn't have the same swing. Uh, like I could accept that, but there's too many missing parts right now. It's just like it's a Frankenstein. It's like <laughs> cobbled together. You know, it's like. It's not really working, um, and I don't really want to see that either. You know, they'll be powerful. Like Angus could, Angus probably like solo just 
for two hours alone in a stadium, and and I and that would be insane, you know. And he he's got enough energy to carry it, but oh yeah, I just kind of don't don't like what it's I don't like what it's become. <laughs> Understandable, man. Well, yo, thanks so much for doing this and taking the time. Have a blast tonight in Nashville. Thank you, Ian. And uh, no, no problem. No, thank you and, for bringing him on. Yeah, and and I hope you get to meet Axel tonight. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Dude, I know, I know. I'm pretty excited. That that will be. That, I will get starstruck about that, and also like probably scared because you never know that guy's going to be. Anthony, really, I can't. Thanks, guys. Thank thanks you so much. Time. Good uh, luck, safe flight, and, and rock out, man. All right, dude. Bye. And rock out, man. I was such a tool bag. Check you later. Check you later. It was one of those I didn't know what I was going to finish up saying. You know, yeah, Jobin, whatever it was for my love you, man. I'm such a herb. He's, uh, he's going to have a blast, dude. Oh, he's, Could you imagine being backstage for this? Because he's going to no, be backstage. No, it's my dream. So he's going to run into Axel. And... Did you see the picture of Axel? It was a show in D.C. that he took a picture with uh, Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Redskins. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, he took a picture with the uh, the owner, the coach, and like their whole family. It's so weird. I mean, that's what he says. Like he would be star- starstruck, and that's how I feel. I mean, I got flabbergasted when I when I met uh, Weird Al, or how I just met uh, Blink One Eighty Two. I mean, but Axel is just like, whoa! I I I have like visions. I don't know like about you, but we're the same age. So you remember that cartoon Doug, right? Yeah, yeah of course. So I have I go off in these fantasy lands in my brain of just um you know what would happen if. You know, so like, what would happen if I met Axel? And I think I, you know, I would just say like, I could retire tomorrow. I wouldn't want to from radio, but I've reached the pinnacle of what I want to achieve other than fame and fortune, I guess. Uh, but it's just the fact that he's going, if flying to Nashville. Wait, what was the Doug connection there? The, 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 the fantasy land. Going, oh, you know, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was, I, okay. He, yeah. His dream, that was the whole, that was like half the show. Yeah, right? where it's like, this is going to be on your permanent record, record with Mr. Yeah. Bone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Okay, got it. All right, so um, so it's just incredible that he's going, and this is a huge show tonight. You know, we're going to post the show tonight, so you're going to be listening to well, potentially while the show is going on. Um, well, 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 whatever. I, we're trying to, I'm trying to figure out a timeline. This isn't lost. Who gives a shit? Uh, but this is a huge show tonight. What's going on with Adler? What's going on with Izzy? This really is like a soap opera. This it really is a mystery. Is the, the our pee wee word of the day throughout this episode? All right. And it's just um lucky him. You know, he's really lived a blessed life, and you could tell how genuine he is. And then he's just like we were just three dudes just talking, and I love that. Yeah, when you, you know? were talking about the starstruck thing with meeting Axel, it reminds mm-hmm. me of uh, I think it was right before we recorded the first episode. I got to see Sebastian Bach live. Yes, yeah. always awesome. But yeah, I've seen someone, him three times. He's awesome. Someone yeah. mentioned something about Axel in the crowd, and okay. and he said something about he's like you know what's the funny thing about all these people who talk shit about Axel like online and mm-hmm. and you know at my shows will make some comedies like. I hang out with the guy all the time. No one ever talks shit to his face. <laughs> He's like, every time that they meet him in person, it's, oh, my God, I love yeah. you. You're the best. Oh, he's, like, dick. You, he's like, I have never seen anyone talk shit to his face. He's like, they're way too shook to talk shit to his face. Because he, it's so rare of someone, and I'm trying to think about it, not just in music, but a celebrity that has that aura about them. You know, and Axl Rose has that aura about him. And not only that, you know, yeah, and there are some people making fun of his weight now, but I mean, it's like he's 50, dude. But I think he's right. I, I don't think those people making fun of his no, weight would ever no. say it to his face. And I think they'd, be, they'd go, oh, my God, I love you. Let me get a picture. That's exactly right. what it would be. And I think also the ones that hate on him still respect him. This is a guy that still 
has written some of the best music in the history of rock and roll. Yeah. Like, you can't argue that. It's still, they're still relevant today, despite not being together, despite all the potential for this to fail, for the, the Chinese democracy, that, that could have been, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't a flop. Did no. it do as well as they wanted? No, but they were up against everything. That could I been- remember it was, you know what killed me? Do you remember the week it came out? It was number two on Billboard behind Kanye West. I was like, uh, uh, and I, I actually like Kanye West. I don't. I don't Some get of his it. stuff, not like the newest album, but I was just like, come on, man. Really? It's, Why couldn't this be number one? I that know. killed me a little bit. No, Kanye, it, it, it does. And, no, and, and I know you're, you said you're a fan, but I he's just somebody, I guess I can talk, say, I just, I his don't get bag. it. <laughs> not even more he's a douchebag. I mean, I, you know, other than that harder, stronger, whatever song, but it's all about the Daft Punk side of it that I like. You know, I, I just don't get it. You know, I don't get why this, this he's a he's a talent or genius or why he thinks these things. I don't get it. Dr. Seuss, to me, rhymes better than he does. Well, as, yeah, but as, that's the thing about Kanye. He's not, I think a lot of people mistake him as being, like, a great rapper. Or and the beats. Not what I mean, like. He's I, a great producer, songwriter. It's still that he's, he's writing shit with Paul McCartney. That says something. I, I think that just says Paul McCartney has certain people in his ear. It says you should work with this guy to keep yourself relevant. And Maybe. I think that's what that is. I mean, do, you, do you ever see those Twitter things where they're like, I'm glad Kanye's giving this Paul McCartney guy a chance? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you know there are people. I think it was happening during uh, like the 12-12 concert for Sandy. Like, who is this old guy on stage? What the fuck? These young millennials. Oh my God. Whatever. Sorry, I'm getting angry. I didn't take my medication today. I told you. I got I to take it when I get home. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for bringing uh, Anthony on. It was a pleasure to speak to him. And it's so... You know, it's so weird. I read this guy's books before I even knew you. Yeah. And here uh, I am talking to him now, and he's on a plane to see a reunited Guns N' Roses. Just goes to show you. And before you never I, know where life could go. Oh, too. And before I knew him, I, I read Tommy Lee and Artie Lang's books and all that. And like I said, that's the reason I booked him on Senator Bill Bradley's show, because I was a fan. I was kind of geeking out to, to meet the guy. And then when I heard that his father delivered me as a baby, I'm like, what the fuck? What a weird life. You know, yeah. you just never, you never know. It's 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 incredible. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the future of this band. Uh, I'm looking forward to. I mean, uh, hopefully, we never know. We always kind of end these shows as we're going to wind down now. Um, how Axl Rose uh, to Kurt Loder when they quote came back with Buckethead, and we're going to see Chinese democracy. I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. So um, I'd like to think we'll do another show before uh, we go see them at MetLife Stadium, the 23rd, potentially the 24th as well. Uh, but this is just a huge. I, I tweeted this. What a great time to be a Guns N' Roses fan right now. Oh, yeah. You know, it just it really is, and you can see the the outpouring of love from the fans and appreciative. And we we read it at the top of the show the thanks that we're getting, and we're just fans. We're just like we're just like you, and because we are you, we we just happen to be in a position to do a podcast about it. And uh, and there's something I do also want to mention because uh, I'm still kind of shiny because i just got uh, more tattoos that's as, right yeah. as i'm working on my, my uh never-ending story three quarters have some great tattoos i will say thank you um if for, i know this is like super local if anyone hears uh uh joel a big joel from uh tattoo loose center reach he's been doing the majority of my work now he's just phenomenal like he's just I, i'm so glad I, I found him uh and my first i will preface this too my first tattoo ever was my left shoulder blade which is the uh the boy writing this book from uh, user illusion uh, it's outlined in red, so it's one. Eventually, I want to get the um, uh, back piece of like November Rain esque, but whatever. Nobody gives a shit. Uh, but you mentioned to Anthony that because I thought you had no work, 
that you have a Dr. Feelgood tattoo. So I, can I see it right now? I mean, it's yeah, on your back? Yeah, I mean, my back's a little hairy at, at the moment. Because, hairy? You know, being half uh, Italian oh, okay. and, and Jewish. Okay. Not a good combination. But uh, <laughs> Is it bad? Yeah, check it out. Um, I've seen worse. I've seen worse. I mean, mine's mine's not. You know, mine's alright. What do you think of the tattoo, though? Goddamn. Oh. <laughs> no, I like it. It's a Doctor Feelgood. It's, it's. I like. It. Where'd you get it done? I got that done at Lark. In uh. Yes. Yeah, which where it's Old Country Road, right in um. That's where I got. Look at this. All the six degrees. Carl Kevin Bacon. Is it Carl Place? That's where. Place? You know where? Blah, I'm freaking out. I can't even get the words out right now. That's where I got my my uh, first tattoo. My user illusion. This is my first guy at Lark, by any chance. I don't remember his name. Yeah. So anyway, so, yeah. So isn't that cool that we got our first tattoos in the same place? Yeah, no, absolutely. Or like, no, so anyway, I was, <laughs> I, you were breaking my balls about the hairiness because uh, yeah. I'm Italian and Jewish and, and not a good combination in terms of it's, hair. It's, it's, so it's, I, it's I not gotta, great, but it's not bad. I got to get it waxed in you know the coming yeah. weeks because yeah, yeah. if I shave it, it just grows back super thick, which I used to do. <laughs> so I end up going to this waxing place. And uh, is it weird? Is it awkward to go in there? It is. The other guys? It's usually all women, but th this part is TMI. But you guys, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll get into it. So every time I go in there to get my back and shoulders waxed, this woman Thanks. asks about if I want to do, like, the men's Brazilian bikini <laughs> where they literally wax your balls. It's and, the summer. And, the whole, and I'm like, no. Nah, Wait. I, I think I'm good on that. It's and, the balls? It's not like, you know, the... Uh... The part between the leg that with the the like the groin, dude. dude I, it's the whole area, man. Oh it's, my god, because I know, mean, it's, I shave it's, 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 down there. It's, it's I'm not like it's not like a baby, but, but I, I can it's, be kempt. It's uh, the waxing version of that. So hot wax on your balls. And, that part would feel and, good, but the pulling she, would feel bad. But here's the thing: she's always telling me about it. She's like, "Oh, it's it's she not just, that. It's she not just that wants bad. to see your balls, dude, dude. This woman is dying to see my cock. <laughs> I don't like, know why. Do it up, man. Do it up." Hey, surrounded by women, this is just like, just, you know, she wants to pull a yeah. wax in her I, fucking sack. No, Do no, it, man. No, no. All right, whatever. No. whatever. Back is one thing. When in Rome. Yeah, I'm not I'm, <laughs> I'm not going for that. But, dude, every fucking time I'm in there. If Axl Rose shaved his balls, would you do it? I don't need to do what Axl Rose does <laughs> just because I, I love the man. I, he's, he's got I just want to see what your line is. No, no, I don't need to, you know. <laughs> Fair I, I don't do a lot of things that Axl Rose does. I, you don't see me walking in here with, like, huge gold chains on. and When I had long hair and he inspired me corn to Cornrows? No, no. Oh, I guess if you were going to tell me you did cornrows, I would no, have loved no, to have I, seen I, that. It was like, I look like Scott Stapp, but I would refer to myself as uh, Axl Rosenberg. <laughs> there is a guy who writes his Axel Rose. I know. I saw that. I thought sucks. I thought I was clever, and then I saw that. So whatever. Yeah. L linear I, thinking. By and by the way, I kind of. What do you think of all those sites? Like, I love Metal Sludge. Like, they have a great sense of humor, and actually, I'd love to get Steve Rochelle on the podcast. Is I Metal Sludge the site that has the list of all the sizes? Yeah. So why did everybody always mention that? Because they do so much. so much more than just that. I know that, but that's like that's a huge. I don't know how to just, like, you know, I've read it, you know, what, what that makes me is whatever. Uh, but I guess that's a, that's a, that's a thing that's, I don't know, that's like a big thing to, to be part of. That's, I would that's, actually, that's, un, that's unique. We haven't discussed who we'll have in the next podcast, but I would, maybe Stevie Rochelle from Tough, who runs Metal Sludge. Because you've been bringing on these guests, man. I, I can't, you know, I, I appreciate it. I'm not going to take, you know, and, I, yes, we're a team, but I will give you credit for getting on these yeah, guests. Yeah, and you edited it, whatever, so... But he, he has some great stories from over the years with Adler, which would be really relevant. Like, he's interviewed Adler, who's—he has audio. I've, I've talked to Stevie, and he has audio of Adler talking about, like, 
some of the crazy shit he was doing to get drugs back in the day. And yeah, it's like I've I read his book, this. and I would love to hear it from the man himself. So let's reach out to him, whether it's the next podcast or, you know, whenever yeah, it is. So let's, let's do it up. Maybe Stevie Rochelle. But anyway, so back to what I was saying. We're all scatterbrained here. But I was wondering what you think of all those sites because there's, like, Metal Sludge, and then there's Metal Sucks and Metal Injection. Like, I think Metal Sludge does things in a humorous way, but it's not as much, like— anger at the some of these sites it's almost like are you even a fan like if all you do is bash the band and yeah i mean i see it i mean blabbermouth doesn't do that because they just report the stories it's just the comments it's just the comments and i think is that's what's hurt in my opinion and i think we may have touched upon this in the first episode what is hurt rock and metal um even it's not every fan but just the the vitriol that comes out because i think you know if you're on the outskirts of that scene you see rock you see the tattoos you see the angry music you just with this blanket uh, statement over everybody. It's just angry. I don't want to be part of that scene. Most, like, the metal scene was one of the most loving scenes, if you're really part of it, like, ever. Uh, and it's just, I want to get away from that. Just, like, everyone has to troll and everything. Everything sucks. You know, we've we've become a, a civilization of literally Beavis and Butthead. You know, this sucks. It's, you know, it's, it's like, they've been saying sucks. You know, all these, it's, not everything, some things do suck, but I think there's a way to approach it if you want to, and as a, uh, and I can't, consider myself a journalist, especially since we just had Anthony Boza on, uh, but as a wannabe journalist, you know, I was trained in broadcast journalism, you know, you want to go to, you want to be smart how you approach these stories. Can you, you don't have to do a fluff piece, but I mean, like, you know, uh, a good author, uh, Chuck Klosterman, I remember the piece that he wrote about um, Chinese democracy was just brilliant. I mean, and he approached it in just such a smart way. And it's not just saying, this sucks. It's not this, it's not that. Approach it with some integrity and, and intelligence, and how whatever comes out, at least it's it's real, and I can I can take a part of that. So I don't know if you're talking about a specific article, but I I want to get I want this community, the rock and roll, you know, the Guns N' Roses community seems to be pulling together now, uh, but the rock and roll community as a whole and these sites as a whole to just you know have a common thread, and that's to make make fucking rock and roll relevant again in this country. God damn it, you know, yeah. like it's just enough already. It's enough. I'm, I'm tired of seeing, you know, fucking Kanye West. I know you like him, whatever. EDM, just, all EDM, that EDM, all this garbage. These are just like one and done artists. You know, I know Taylor Swift is, she has talent, but I feel like she writes her lyrics with a crayon. And she's the only, if I remember correctly, the only artist who had a platinum album in 2015, if I'm right. That I, I don't know. I but I mean, so. it's just enough I think already. It's so, so crazy how yeah, there's only one artist who gets a platinum album. We live but now, in, they're, now they're tracking streams, so I think it's different because I think Drake went weird, platinum. But we live in, all right, here's the thing, you know, and we'll, we'll end on this uh, note. Well, I have one more thing I got to bring uh, up after okay. ending on this note. Um, I, okay. Uh, uh, well, then, well, I'm on a, I'm on a right, right, my right, night train right, right. right now. Uh, we're we're on Long Island right now, so Long Island has you know uh, you know some rocks. Uh, well, we're the only rock station. Face it, uh, WB one hundred two point three WBAB. Long Island's only classic rock. But uh, New, New York's York opinions <laughs> expressed yeah. on this podcast. But uh, yeah, for exactly. Uh, but no, New York City, you know, other than you know for a classic rock, doesn't have a, another rock like doesn't have a big rock station. K Rock died. We're the number one market. What is what's going on here? Yeah. So I, I want that to change. Um, All right. The, the, last thing that, <laughs> the last thing I was going to mention is how this podcast goes full circle. So you remember how last show you mentioned seeing Whitford St. Holmes? Yep. Did you see Slash got on stage with them? I read. I didn't see it. Yeah, but that's pretty cool, man. That is cool. That, like, we he just tweeted about things, it. And there's, there's some Guns N' Roses connection there. 
which is pretty cool because you know that he loves those guys in Aerosmith. And they toured together back in the day. Yeah. And I mean, that this, was when uh, Aerosmith was sober and they said, keep these guys away from us. <laughs> there was this great story that um, Joe Perry had this great story he told on Howard Stern about Slash buying one of his guitars mm-hmm. and uh, that, you know, him holding on to it, wouldn't give it back to him. And then at a birthday party, gave it back to him. Mm. Like that was a pretty cool story. So there's always, I don't know, there's just always these connections with these bands and you know, they're a fan of Aerosmith. And- I see that's, and again, to tie back to what I just said, you see these collaborations in, or even just on a lower level, these TMZ stories between these artists now, you know, between Future and Ciara and all these crap. Excuse me. Oh, I'm going to leave that in. And you have these moments, these real moments within rock, and we need to character build. We need to have these these faces of Guns N' Roses is still relevant, and these younger bands and these older bands. It's just like this awesome community and awesome stories to be told. And we want to be, you know, a, a vessel for that. To use that word twice in one show, dude. With with the talk of an Aerosmith final tour, could you imagine if they got together with Guns N' Roses and did, you know, like another arena tour or something? That would be. I I mean, just the fact that these are possibilities now is just exciting. And I think we, we should be as we you started the show with. Um, grateful for that with all that's going on in the world, that there are, you know, bands and, and music out there because music means a lot to a lot of people. You know, yes, it's, I mean, it's hard to describe what music can do to some people. Oh, yeah, and, I, to, and to go full circle from what I mentioned at the top of the show, music gets people through really hard times, things in this country that are going on and, and really gets your mind off, you know, these police shootings, the police brutality stuff going on. And it can inspire and, you to do something that you may not have previously done. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why, and again, to what we just started with, just even if, even if and hopefully I don't think it's going to be the case, that Adler doesn't make another appearance. His story, what he's gone through, and I don't like people who are looking d- down upon addicts. You don't know their story. You don't know that it's a disease. It's difficult. That he's been able to get to this point and be back on stage with Axl Rose slash and Duff in front of a crowd like that playing Guns N' Roses in Guns N' Roses again, albeit for just at this moment while we're recording this for two songs, speaks volumes to what you can achieve. And the fact that his, his mom put that out on Facebook shows what it means to people's families too. So, I mean, that's just, that's awesome. I feel like we should need to have like the uh, the Bob Saget uh, bro or the uh, the Eddie Winslow, uh, Carl Winslow hug it now. It's like, dun, 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 hug. We ended on such a positive uh, note here yeah. on Appetite for Distortion. We did. Uh, so, so follow us mm-hmm. on Twitter, of course, at the AFD show on Facebook, uh, Appetite for Distortion with uh, Scott on, with Brando and Scott. <laughs> but, uh, and and yeah, if you, or you can just go to facebook.com slash the AFD show, I should say, and on iTunes. And please leave a review on iTunes for Appetite for Distortion because uh, I really want to get on that chart, on that top 150, I think it is, music podcast chart because then there's going to be people who scroll through that who are Guns N' Roses fans, sees that there's a podcast like this that actually exists, and we can get new listeners and you know, who knows where this thing is going to go. And the more stuff we're able to do, the more stuff we can do for you. And I wanted that to sound freaky. So. Sexual favorites. <laughs> whatever. It's 2016, whatever. All right. So uh, thank you again. Uh, and thank you again to Anthony Boza, who's currently on a flight to Nashville to see Guns N' Roses, that lucky SOB. Uh, we will see you soon. Uh, or as Axel Rose says, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Distortion. 
Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The AFD Show. security, I'm going home.